0: Le Rev was just magic start to finish. You walk in and, you know, everything's sloping down and there's this giant pool of water and there's a bed in the water floating. You've got dry ice coming up. It's, it's sort of like Narnia or something. You're reading about it and then you're in the book. You're in the story. You have these... Insane, chaotic days, and then you come into the theater and you're still. And we get to take you on this magical ride for a couple of hours, and you leave changed. This is Christine Hudman-Party.
1: She's an actor, singer, performer. And until March, 2020, she was the lead singer at La Rev, the signature theater production at the Wynn Las Vegas.
2: The show was a big deal. It had a cast and crew of about 275 people, and it won a bunch of awards. It was the only show in Las Vegas that featured a theater in the round in water. We've never seen the show live, but we found some
1: videos online, and it's pretty amazing. There's people doing backflips and somersaults, elaborate fountains, soaring music, and fire exploding out of the water.
2: It all feels like a really intense dream. Which is kind of appropriate, because le rêve means the dream in French. The show ran for 15 years, more than
1: 6,000 performances. Christine had been the main female vocalist since 2018
2: and loved it. And then, the pandemic. I'm Samantha Liny perfos And I'm Jessica Mendoza. This is stronger. We hear from six women about what they've lost to this long, painful pandemic and how they're winning it back. Today's episode The Artist. On the
0: wall, it looks like it's both of your guys' shows. It's both of them, yeah. yeah. That's my husband did that out of hell on Broadway, and that was last no, not last summer, summer before. Yeah, he was a drummer Lion King. That's me, like my Lorette poster, and then we that's
2: Christine do- and her husband Mark at their home in Las Vegas. Mark also works in showbiz as a professional drummer. We visited them at the end of April. They showed us some souvenirs they kept from past
0: shows. It's mostly you, honey, the mean girls. <laughs> And and spam a lot. We're
3: that's funny because you just didn't save any of your stuff. Well, that's you know, true. He's got I to have re-recorded. everything. Like that's all the albums I played on, and I don't know. Everything's organized. But she's like, "Oh yeah, I did this gig with Carol King. Oh, did you keep the program? No, no, I forgot. <laughs> you know, there's nothing."
1: They're raising three teenagers together: Jack, Harper, and Griffin, and also two dogs, Leo and Lizzie. Christine herself is very warm. And also blonde and fabulous and a little larger
2: than life. Kind of what you'd expect from a performer. But the past year has taken its toll on her. We all know live shows were some of the first things the pandemic took from us in terms of shared experiences. Things are starting to look up for
0: the industry now.
1: But that doesn't change the fact that Christine and Mark had basically
0: no work for more than a year. I hurt for myself and my fellow artists I know what we give, you know, you're putting your guts on a plate for people every night. So it feels incredibly frustrating. I don't know, just to like be told like, I heard about your show, God, it's too bad. And it's, it's not even
2: real. We've all said we miss going to concerts and shows and having all these shared experiences that we took for granted, but for Christine, that sadness and empathy never seem to extend to the people who bring those experiences to us. People like her and her husband and their friends.
0: I don't look for people to come and save me, but I guess I just want people to know that this, this is real. Before we hear more from Christine,
1: a little bit of context. We first started reporting the series because we wanted to look up close at the personal, real ways that this pandemic recession has affected women. We knew that the parts of the economy that were hit hardest were those that rely on in-person services and events. Those also
2: happen to be industries where women are overrepresented. So we went to a place that depends a lot on those industries. A place with a lot of christines
3: Come get the best of the USA Come out and play the We
1: like to call ourselves the entertainment capital of the
3: world Las Vegas in every
1: That's Suzanne Chabray. I'm vice president and chief experience officer for the Smith Center for the Performing Arts in Las Vegas. Ms. Chabray was also an executive in the gaming industry for many years. And she's a Vegas native, so she gets entertainment and its role in the city. Las Vegas sells escape, and entertainment is a big driver in that. We as a community and an industry try to make everything entertaining and over the top.
2: In 2019, one in every four employees in Nevada worked directly in leisure and hospitality. That's according to the Nevada Resort Association.
1: A huge chunk of those workers are in Las Vegas, especially on the Strip, which is the big center of hotels and casinos on Las Vegas Boulevard. Every year, the Strip by itself generates billions of dollars in revenue.
2: So when a pandemic hits and all that disappears? Devastating. That's all there is to say. You'll find that within
1: a family, somebody is working in that industry and it's impacting their
2: lives. Last bit of data here, we promise. In February, 2020, Nevada's unemployment rate was 3.6%, fairly normal. In March, when Christine Hudman-Party lost her job, it had climbed up to 6.3%. By April of 2020, it was 28%, the highest in the country at the time. So that was Las Vegas. It wasn't the only place in the country
1: that struggled. It wasn't even the only place in the country where artists struggled. But the city's experience with the pandemic paints a pretty stark picture of how people like Christine were affected. When we first met her back in March... Through Zoom, where else?
0: It was right around the anniversary of when her show closed. We um, went from... Just, this is great, and we can have a good life, and we can pay our mortgage, and now we're just living on unemployment. And we lost our health insurance, and we lost all our benefits. The blow to the family finances was really hard.
2: But the other, almost more painful part in some ways, was that LaRev was special to her for a lot of reasons. For one thing, it let her be a mom in a way that was pretty rare in show business, especially live performances. Although she was doing two shows a night, five nights a
0: week. I got to make my kids dinner every night. I mean, even if it was in a crock pot, leaving it for them. But still, I got to come home and they were sleeping in their beds and I was sleeping in my bed. And I got to take them to school in the morning. Working for a company like The Win also had its benefits, literally. When it's a long-term gig like this, it's like, oh my God, welcome to being a real adult. I have a 401k. I have insurance for my family through my work. I'm making a great salary, and I get to go home. It was kind of just overwhelmingly positive for those reasons. There was one more thing
2: that made LaReve special. Although she loves Vegas, it took Christine years to figure out how she fit into the fabric of this very young, very hip town, as a woman and
0: as an artist. To get that in this town at 47 and to still feel like, relevant because I think in general as a woman there's always someone like younger, smarter, faster, prettier, funnier and so you have to really do the work to remind yourself that you're still I don't want to say valid but you know that there's still a place for you and that you have something to say.
1: To have achieved the artist's dream and then lose it all in a pandemic was crushing and she saw it happening to everyone around her.
0: As a performer, sort of the collective we, we've all been going through this. So there is some comfort that, you know, you're not alone, but what's the future of all of this? I mean, we were the first to go, and we're like gonna be the last, last, last to come back.
2: But in spite of that, Christine is determined to see the glass half full. She has this philosophy a kind of guiding principle that she applies to her life and to her work and to being a woman. She said it
0: a lot when we talked, which made it hard to forget. It's like a constant reinvention. reinvention. You know, I think as women, we're constantly reinventing ourselves. There's just this constant, reinvention is the only word I can think of. Constant reinvention.
1: It's an idea that's core to who Christine is. It's the belief that even when seasons end or life takes a wicked turn, it's just a new beginning,
2: a way to grow and to evolve. You might be able to tell from her drawl, but Christine grew up in a small town in Texas.
0: 2,500 people. My dad my dad was a wildlife manager on a ranch and my mom was a secretary. So there was no one going off to New York to be an actress.
1: In high school, she auditioned for her first role at a professional theater
0: in Dallas. My dad was so cute. He was like, I don't know anything about what you're doing, sister, but I'll drive you anywhere. You know, you need to go. (laughs) dad. Ended up getting hired and like all the leads came from New York. So it was really like this summer is either going to eat you alive or it's going to create that spark that's going to make you follow this path. It's kind of the quintessential small town girl
2: to big star story. Christine went to New York, majored in theater, and eventually began touring in musicals. That was the first time Christine reinvented herself.
1: After she'd been performing professionally for a few years, she landed a role in The Full Monty. That's a musical about uh, dancers at Chippendales.
0: It was amazing, an amazing experience, an amazing cast. And I don't know, it was just a joy, a joy from start to finish. Let it go! And it was just one of those things in your career that, you know, it's like a marker. Everything before that, everything after that, but that was like a special time.
2: After that show, Christine started to think about
0: what was next. I was 32, 33. I, I can remember taking a mental note like, it could be a few more great credits, but then what if I can't have kids? Mm. And just because you can have kids doesn't mean you need to have them. But for me, I knew I wanted that in my life. You know, I knew I wanted that experience. So I just, I made a conscious decision. I've been in New York 14 years. I'm ready for a change.
1: Her husband at the time had a promise from a friend of steady work in Las Vegas.
2: So off they went. And the month we moved here, I got pregnant. Christine realized she had to reinvent herself again this time from full-time
0: performer to almost full-time mom. The first years of me being here were just like having small children attached to my body. (laughs) You know what I mean? And and not that I thought it would be easy in Vegas. I just thought that I had some great credits. I figured that there would be a way in for me. And there just really wasn't a lot for me. You know, I would get like called back down to the end for like, oh, all the shows. And I would just never book it. Mm
1: That period had a lot of ups and downs. Christine loved being a mom, but then she and her first husband got divorced. She reconnected with Mark, whom she'd known
2: a long time, and eventually they got married. But like a lot of women who take time away from work to focus on relationships and parenting, Christine struggled to find
0: her groove again. When you're away quite a bit or you have children, you're sort of like, oh God, who am I? It's like trying to marry the old person with the new person. And just, it kind of rocked my confidence a lot. You know, I was just like, ugh. Oh. After years of short-term gigs,
2: Christine landed the role at La Rev in 2018. It was a turning point for her career, but also for her as a parent. By then, her kids were in their teens. Mark was on tour a lot.
0: He was gone and gone and gone. Like in the summer of 2019, for example. He went to play Bad Out of Hell on Broadway. And then he left from New York to go on tour. He did not come home, not for an hour, not for a day, from June till March of the next year.
1: That's so long. So Christine had to reinvent herself one more time. This time as basically a single mom
0: working full time. I'd get up at six in the morning and I would take my daughter to high school. I would come back, I'd wake my son up, I would take him to a different school, and then I would like do stuff around the house because if you don't do it, it's not gonna get done. In the afternoon around 2, 2
1: 2.30, she'd pick up the kids from school. She would take them home, show them where dinner was,
0: make sure homework was getting done. And then I had to leave at 4.30. I would go to the show, I'd do sound check at 5.30, and then I would have to get ready. And this is not throwing on a sweater
2: for a Zoom meeting, you know, like what we do. <laughs> it's full hair,
0: full makeup, outfit for the stage. And once all that was done... I would do the first show, and then in between, I'd FaceTime them, make sure they were going to bed and all that, and if they'd eaten, and then I'd get home at like midnight-ish, and... I would just clean up the kitchen and I'd get in bed by 1 or 1.30 and then I'd just do the whole thing over again. And I'm not going to lie, it was really tough. It was really tough.
2: So when the pandemic happened, Christine almost didn't mind, at least at first. Suddenly her husband was home. She was spending actual quality time with her kids.
0: The first three months was like rediscovering music that we grew up with, dancing all over the house. We were so happy. I think because we thought after the three months we were going back to work. And so then it shifted into the next three months and we were like, okay, a little less dancing, but still so happy we're together. And then it shifted to the next thing where it's like, oh oh my
2: God.
1: But it got harder to laugh as the months went by. Shows stayed closed. Venues pushed back reopening again and again even when other businesses like airlines and restaurants
2: began to slowly open back up. And unfortunately, it's easy to see why. LaRev had hundreds of cast and crew members, elaborate props, all kinds of
0: things that need to be funded. Even the water costs money to maintain. From a business standpoint, it was a smart decision because you can't really sustain the running costs with 30% capacity. I think from their side, you know, you can understand why, for sure. It doesn't make it hurt less.
1: And that's where Christine was a year into the pandemic, asking herself questions that were difficult, but also familiar. Am I still an artist if I'm not performing? What happens next?
0: La Rev was like such a highlight in my career. But what do you do when the show closes? What's the future of all of this? And so there's a reckoning within you, you know what I mean? There has to be, of like, what is the next dream? It's not done for me.
2: That reckoning for Christine and her family after the break.
0: Hi, everyone. I'm Noelle Swan, The Monitor's weekly edition editor. Artists like Christine shine a special kind of light on the world. They bring joy and laughter into our lives, and also help us to explore and ultimately overcome our fears. If you've appreciated this podcast, the best way to make sure we produce more work like this is to subscribe to the Christian Science Monitor. If you already do, thank you. But if not, you can do that at csmonitor.com slash subscribe. We really appreciate your support. Again, that's csmonitor.com slash subscribe. Thanks for listening.
1: When we left Christine, she was asking herself what happens next. How would she and her family deal with what the pandemic has done to their finances?
2: to their careers, to their futures. We caught up with her in real life a few weeks later to see how she was doing, and to see if she'd been able to answer any of those
0: questions yet. Um, How's the rest of the family doing? How are the kids holding up? And everyone's just doing the best they can. I can't sit around too long and think about how you catch up from something like this. Just like, to be told that you were shutting it down and you can't work. You can't. There's nothing and we don't know when you'll be able to. When you've made this your livelihood, your living, you know, it's very, um, it feels very frustrating. It feels like a lost year. I mean, a lost year academically for my children, a lost year financially for us. The ironic part is that collectively, we all turn to music, art, and times like this and no one's talking about us. They haven't been, they aren't, and they aren't talking about anything for the future. After a while, you do kind of feel targeted in some way. So I don't know, I wish I knew the answer, but maybe I don't want to know the answer. I just have to try to be happy today, and not that someone's gonna come and save you, but that you're an active participant in your life and that you do all the work that you need to do, and then if you keep doing that, the door is gonna come down. So I have to believe that there are better days ahead, at least I hope. Do you think you might,
1: at some point, look back on this as a period of reinvention for yourself again?
0: 100%. Yeah. I mean, I have to. There are definitely lessons from everything, and I think that's a question that we ask, Mark and I ask ourselves a lot, you know, what's the lesson? We have a saying in this house, it's you're free to be. And so we meet you wherever you are. I'm not gonna try to tell them like, don't cry, don't be depressed, whatever. I mean, sometimes you just are those things until you're something else, you know. Just feel the feelings and know that it's not always gonna be like this. And there
2: are some bright spots ahead, even if they're uncertain in the way that everything about pandemic life has been uncertain. Just before our trip to see her, Christina told us that she and Mark had been offered jobs in a summer production of Mamma Mia.
0: We both got hired to go to Nantucket this summer for eight weeks and do Mamma Mia.
2: Congratulations.
0: (laughs) So he's gonna play drums and then I'm gonna be Rosie.
2: Oh my gosh. That's crazy.
0: Yeah, we're kind of dying. I mean, we are like on our knees grateful. So and the fact that But thankful as she
1: was to finally get to be on stage again,
0: it turned out that the best thing about the job offer had nothing to do with the job itself. My youngest son, the excitement that he had when we got the job, I mean, he was just almost more excited than we were. God, this is so great. He was almost in tears. And he was like, I'm so glad and I'm so grateful that I have parents that do what they love for a living. And I was just like, you get told you're selfish a lot, you know, in this business. And I can't put my kids to bed at night because I'm out doing two shows and all the guilt that comes with with that kind of stuff and I can't be there for every second of homework. But I'm passing that on and they see that, you know, and I I feel I feel pretty I feel pretty good about that. That they see that that I this is what I was born to do and they have some respect for that and they're genuinely happy, you know, because you play all these games in your mind as, as a mom and as a woman. You know, it's like all the things you're not doing, all the shortcomings. And you know, when your kid is like, I'm your biggest cheerleader. It's okay to be who you are. It's okay to follow your dreams, even when you're grown. Like and I want them to know that I've always been like, what is it that this still small voice says to you like in the night? What is it that you really want? And trust it and do it. You're never too old for that. Here I am, like at 50, I'm like, why, why should I stop dreaming? Why should I stop taking chances? Why should my life stop being exciting? I just feel happy that they kind of see that, that it's never too late. It's never too late for a new dream. It's never too late to try something new. But yeah, that was, that was pretty great.
1: You know, Sam, I'm not a mom, but I don't think you have to be to really get where Christine is coming from. She said this before, you know, that as a woman, there's always going to be someone smarter, younger, prettier, thinner. And even though you know better in your mind, right, you know that you're good at what you do. You know that you're enough. You know that you're allowed to evolve and to be more and to dream. It's like sometimes it can be so hard to believe that in your heart or your gut. And it just makes me feel so good inside to see someone like her, who's been dealt such a rough hand this year, and she's still fighting to make it work.
2: I completely agree, Jess. And I know for me, I definitely relate to this feeling of not being enough. Like all the blood, sweat, tears you put into everything that you do, and it just always feels like it falls a little bit short. So to hear her put that into words, that feeling that I think many women wrestle with. It just, like, really got to me. And then her son, oh my gosh. (sighs) Even when you feel like your work and effort is invisible, the people around you see it and they love you for it. And it makes it all worth it. One thing I'm really hoping comes through in this series is that we're all going through this together, you know? Don't cry, Sam. You're the one who cried. (laughs) Who, me? (laughs) Crying's for men. (laughs) Just kidding. I cried a lot working on this episode. Uh, I mean, let's be honest, we've cried a lot this whole series. Um, But I think that's what's so great about hearing from real people. Yeah. Stepping into each other's stories can get us to that place of connection and moving forward.
0: I I think that would be my hope for the world is just more empathy, more compassion, more time to stop and go, Are you okay? Can I help you? So I don't want things to go back to where they're the way they were. And it's impossible anyway. It's never going to be that. I just want to be the best person that I can be. You sound like, though, a fundamentally kind of optimistic human.
3: (laughs) Yeah.
1: Um, What drives that?
0: I don't know. I think I've always been like that. I've always been a dreamer. That's how I grew up, just feeling like anything was possible. I told you that once, you know, it's like the big Texas sky in my imagination. So no dream seemed too big. It was just endless possibilities. And I think I always just still feel like that little girl in some ways. You know, it's so silly, but like Tom Hanks said in that, in that movie. Because tomorrow the sun will rise.
3: Who knows what the tide could bring?
0: I always kind of think of that. You know, tomorrow the sun will rise. And that is very simple but sort of powerful.
1: Thanks for listening. Next time on Stronger, we hear from Jarlene Roa-Dugan, a labor and
2: delivery nurse whose year was filled with challenges. But her biggest challenge a dilemma that faced many frontline workers. We go into the profession wanting to help out, take care of people. But this pandemic put us all into a bind.
0: Do you take care of other people or do you take care of your family?
2: We hope you'll join us. And if you enjoyed this episode, please rate and review us. You can find all our episodes by searching for Stronger on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher, or visit csmonitor.com Stronger. This episode was reported and produced by me, Jessica Mendoza. And me, Samantha Liney perfoss Edited by Clay Collins and Trudy Palmer. Sound designed by Morgan Anderson and Noel Flat. Additional audio elements from La Rev by Franco Dragone. The Full Monty by David Yazbeck and Sony Music Entertainment, Fandango Movie Clips, and Expedia Local Expert. Brought to you by the Christian Science Monitor.
1: Copyright 2021.
3: So
0: singing like right now? Oh, God, yeah. oh my God. And you can, whatever song feels like speaks to you in the moment. Oh God. Uh, there's only one song that I, I, I don't know why this song is coming to my mind, but um, I'll just sing, I'll sing a little bit of this, I guess. Um,
3: Oh, well, I'm tired and oh, so weary, but I must go alone till the Lord comes and calls me, calls me away, oh yes. Well, the morning's so bright, and the lamp is alight and the night is as black as, be peace in the valley for me someday. There will be peace in the valley for me, dear Lord, I pray. There'll be no sadness, no sorrow, no trouble. I see there will be peace in the valley for me